Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. To those people out there who may be watching or listening to us and they're thinking, yeah, that's why my party's right and there may be a Democrat or that's why my party is right and there may be a Republican or they watch Fox or they watch CNN. I would argue they're all full of crap. Neither one gets it. Uh, Even though one will tell you, oh, we hate communists. And they don't even know, maybe, because of, by your definition, they're acting more like communists than any communist they accuse. Hey, I'm Rick Sanchez, and this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast. And I'm so glad that we get a chance to have this conversation, you and I, about the things that really affect us. And lately, you know, we've had a lot of conversations, and I'm so grateful. My God, the last time we sat down and talked, you and I, we had 20,000 people join us. And that's just in like a 48-hour period. So that's really nice. And it's because we talk about things that I think matter to all of us. Because look, in the end, we all want to grow. We all want to learn. We all want to be inspired and inspired, right? And we learn a lot of things about how difficult it is to be, to just to live our freaking lives today, man. Especially with everything going on. There's so much confusion, so much hate, so many places where we go that people point us to things that aren't true. Or to make us hate the other guy and think that they're telling the truth when really they're all kind of full of shit in many ways. Especially when you go to the traditional stuff. Like if you were to go to, we talk about this all the time. And my advice to you has been what, right? What have I always said to you? I say, it's okay to find a story once in a while that's interesting and 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 research it. Become it, d- develop almost, you know, a real life humanistic expertise for it because it matters to you. But do not be one of those people who just mindlessly goes to YouTube and just starts watching all the algorithmic shit they sent you on a regular basis because they know what you like or what you hate or what you love and they're going to get you. And if you let them know you hate, I don't know, making anything up here, you know, X, they're going to send you a steady dose of X. And before you know it, you're going to be crazy. Or if you go to CNN, they're going to tell you nothing but Trump stuff. And if you go to Fox, they're going to tell you nothing but Biden stuff. And it's all bullshit. And so, so whether it's Facebook for you or YouTube for you or Twitter for you or CNN for you or Fox for you or wherever this hole is that you have found that is destroying your day and taking away quality time from you, avoid it. Find a way to have peace in your life, right? And we talk about these things and we talk about different strategies that we can use. But with all that said, with all that said, there is still this thing, right? This hankering that we all have. And I know you have it too, because if you're smart, you just have it. Where you find out things that really are bothersome, because they exist. You know, we still live in a world where corruption exists and wars exist. And there are some really bad people out there and lies exist and deceit exists. And most of this shit is institutionalized. I'm not talking about what you get from your buddy next door who's a jerk, 
or maybe a family member you got who's full of crap. No, I'm talking about institutions that do this stuff and it's got to bother you. I know. Because we get to an age when you start realizing all the stuff we were taught was bullshit. You know, I, I'm a Latino and, and a lot of what we talk about on this show are Latino issues, right? So as I look into the past history of this wonderful country that I love, this place called the United States of America, and I find out what the CIA did in places like Guatemala, where we, where we ended up causing the deaths of over 100,000 people in a civil war that was totally unnecessary because we wanted a company called the United Fruit Company to maintain 70% of the land. And the new president there said, wait, we want to give some of our own land back to some of our own people. And then we sent in the Marines and we started, the CIA started a coup and 100,000 people died. And that's my country. Yes, I still love my country, but damn it, why did we do that? And why did we do what we did in Santo Domingo, right? In in the Dominican Republic, when we when we get, went in there and and put in Trujillo and had good people killed just because we disagreed with their way of thinking. And I could go on. I mean, my God, today there's Iraq, which made no sense, and Afghanistan there for 20 years accomplished absolutely nothing. And then the media gets mad because they didn't like the last two days. <laughs> they, they didn't cover it for 19 years and 360 days or something. But the last two, oh my God, that's, you know, now we're going to cover the story. I don't know, Iraq, Libya, Afghanistan, Yemen, I could go on and on. Not to mention Vietnam. We now find out it was all bullshit. It was all a lie. So, look, okay. Now I'm saying, hey, Sanchez, you're doing the opposite of what you told me to do. I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm being a little counterintuitive here. I'm being a little conflictive here. What I'm saying is, sometimes we do have to come to grips. You have to come to grips with the fact that there are things out there that do bother us, that do upset us, that do make us want to reflect on why it is that the world has ended up this way. And, you know, look, it's not just now. I'm sure it goes back to the dawn of time, right? But still, it's there. So as I was thinking through this, how do you deal with this? The other day I was in my car and I was going to the, for a drive to from, from where I live in South Florida to Lake Okeechobee, which is this really cool, crazy place. And it's kind of desolate. And it's like 20,000 alligators everywhere. And I wanted to see it. And I was driving around and I, and I wanted to find the perfect, uh, the perfect podcast to listen to, other than my own, of course. <laughs> so I found a podcast where Joe Rogan uh, was interviewing Oliver Stone. I got a lot of respect for Oliver Stone because he does the stuff that nobody dares do and good for him. And he's an outlier and everybody, I love outliers. But as I started listening to Oliver tell his stories about why he did Platoon and Vietnam and JFK and how he developed that, that curiosity that he has and that, that storytelling sense that he had, I just started thinking about all this stuff in the world. That, and I know you think about it too and it sometimes makes you mad. Not the bullshit they talk about on CNN or Fox. I mean, the real stuff out there. And I started thinking, well, I know it's real. And I know I don't want to dwell on it because it's only going to make me a bad dad or a bad, you know, son to my mother or, uh, or a bad boss or a bad coworker. And I don't want to be a negative person, but I still want to know, what do I do with all this? This knowledge that every once in a while we all need to process because we are getting hosed and we are lied to on a regular basis. So I thought, you know, who is the perfect person to talk about? this with. 
Oh man, I got him. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, a guy I've known now for, for, for some years. We met at a bar in Washington and uh, it was kind of late in the night. We were both into a couple of uh, scotches or vodkas or something like that. I don't know what we were drinking, but uh, he and I went on to work together and we're kind of working together again. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so proud to introduce you to uh, my friend, a guy who's a child actor and uh, an actor to this day. He, he's really handsome, kind of like a young Rick Sanchez. Uh, he's a director. He's a producer. Did I just see that? Hey, somebody caught that. He's a producer. He's a director. He's a host. And he also happens to be the son of Oliver Stone. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. But uh, it's Sean Stone. And he's good enough to join us now to have this uh, conversation. What do you say there, Shawnee? The young Rick Sanchez. <laughs> That's great. I guess hey. our hair looks kind of similar, huh? <laughs> I got it cut short now, so I'm more like you. <laughs> there was a time. There was a time when you could have looked like a young Latino Rick Sanchez. I don't know, man. Um, I don't know if you... I know you and I talked this morning. I was out jogging, and I wanted to just have a conversation with you. And I, and I told you what was in my heart. I, this thing that I'm now expressing where... We're living in this bullshit world where our government lies to us, our corporations lie to us. We don't have enough defenders. And you of all people, Sean, man, talk about from cradle to grave, your whole life because of your experiences, because of your dad and everything, you get this. And, and I know now you're doing something with it, but what, what, what's your reaction to that monologue I just I just shared <laughs> in general? Absolutely. It's... Um... It's something that I grew up with understanding was the nature of media, right? Because I was born into it, right? My, I was literally six weeks old on, or was it six? Well, six months, I think, was my first film set in Mexico. <laughs> six in Salvador. months. Yeah, wow. yeah. Six months old. I was in, you know, I was a little kid, baby in Salvador, right? I was in the film too. But, you know, I'm like, I'm, in, I'm on film sets from six months old. And so I'm traveling. It's like, you know, there's having different experiences and consciousness of realities, right? Because a film is an amazing experience where you're seeing realities being created. You're seeing actors getting their preparation. You're seeing the hundreds of people from different departments coming and making a set appear, you know, it's appear real, right? And you're remaking a room or whatever. You're remaking mm. a battlefield, all these things. And so it's magic. It's this process of creating something and then you take a camera and you choose, you know, you choose a frame, just like this is a frame of reality that you're seeing here. You don't see, you don't see what's inside that house. You don't see what's beyond the screen. You just see a certain frame of reality mm. and you present it to the world. And, you know, especially once you start making cuts, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you're making decisions. If it's a documentary, you're making decisions for what the audience gets to see. It's not real. It's, it's a documentary. It's so, a so when your dad was shooting Salvador, great movie, by the way, about the yeah. Iran-Contra scandal and what, again, what our country did in Latin America, which is absolutely awful things that we should not have done. And even though I understand the intent at the beginning, I the, the execution was just so vicious and so horrible what we ended up doing. I, I was a journalist at the time because I'm a little older than you, and I remember watching video of actual beheadings where mm. people's head, where people were walking around in El Salvador uh, with heads in their hand mm. of, of, of their enemies, supposedly that they had conquered or whatever. And here you are six months of age and you're on your dad's set doing that movie. And somehow you, you, you have yeah. some kind of recollection of it. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, just, I mean, my first recollection is probably more like Platoon, which was closer to two years. But like, again, the military atmosphere that you're recreating for that film or Wall Street, where you're, you know, you're recreating the the experience of, you know, corporate takeovers, right? And, and these and these tycoons on Wall Street. So again, it's it's perceptions. It's basically who gets to decide what narrative is being put into the consciousness of people. And so, you know, it's like, even when you say like, we, you know, you're speaking of America, like there's this we, whereas mm -hmm. I don't associate myself with we when it comes to these, uh, these actions, because ultimately these weren't said it by you or me, right? Or the right. average American. These were actions taken by very specific people um, in, in within what I think you could call the deep state, mm -hmm. which is basically the permanent bureaucracy. Yeah, right? and when the, you say deep state, state you're not making a political yeah. statement. You're not, you know, you're not going no, into crazy. Very, you're well, just saying there are entities it. within our government who are deeply entrenched. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah, Snowden talked about this in 2014 and 15. I mean, it's, just, it, I think, uh, uh, Peter Dale Scott, the professor, uh, historian, uh, wrote about deep politics, and he basically talked about the deep state for you know for decades, deep politics, calling it. But again, there's a permanent bureaucracy, right? And you see it within CIA, FBI, State Department. These are people not; these are not elected personnel. And we have to understand that the nature of our government that are those people of, more powerful than the president and the Congress? Well, there, this is an interesting question. Um, it's not necessarily more powerful. It's just that they're functionaries within a massive bureaucracy. And people have to have to understand that this government that we talk about now is not the government that our founders created. Our founding fathers, look at the Constitution, gave a very limited government. The federal government was limited hmm. in its power and its scope. You know, it really was. And what has grown into this bureaucracy that we now see, they say the American government accounts for like 40% of the national GDP as far as the, the expenditures, how many how many corporations does it pay and 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 contract to right? All of our major pharmaceuticals, uh, uh, military industrial complex, science technology, Silicon Valley, it's all part of the government contracting schemes. So so, you, that, so what you just said is that means, end so I'm just going to stop you for a minute because you just gave me an yeah. idea that I, and I so apologize for interrupting you, but what you just said is that uh, our government has grown so big, it's more beholding now to the uh, military contractors, to the uh, big uh, uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, to all of those agencies, more beholding to them just by necessity than to us, to you and me. Of course, exactly. It, it, because the point of the government initially was, constitutionally, was a limited government that was set for basic, basic, basic things like defense, right? And maybe building roads across states, but it was very clear, like, you know, most of the, most of the jurisdiction was supposed to be at the state level, you know, and basically the, the bill of rights stipulates, you know, what we don't assign to the government should be basically taken care of at the state and the level of the individual, the individual person, right? Hmm. Those rights that are left to you and me, but that was taken, it was eroded over time. And you end up with this massive welfare state, this massive uh, social security, you know, so, social security system, this mm. massive uh, defense security system, right? It, it, intelligence security, global, um, global government, right? With bases all over the world. And, you know, the idea that we have to monitor everyone everywhere. And this has sort of been this gradual erosion of those principles of liberty that I think our founders were, were expecting. <laughs> We, 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 and we, yeah. and here's the point, and here's why I wanted to have this conversation. Just from, you know, the grassroots level, guy like you, guy like me, guy like somebody who's listening to us, or a gal like somebody who's listening to us, um, they, they feel this. They, they know there's bullshit out there. 
They know we're being lied to. If you would have asked them, do you want to go to Afghanistan and stay there and have your son or daughter or grandson die there and spend, uh, you know, $7 trillion, uh, would you check yes or no? Everybody in this country would now say no. But yet, there we went. Same thing yeah. with Iraq. Same thing with Vietnam. Same thing with Libya. Same thing with uh, you know Syria. And now, apparently, we have to start another war because uh, this crap going on between Russia and Ukraine. And, and they're just telling us, oh, no, that we just got to do that. And I don't feel like I get a vote. And, it, and, 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 and it's yeah. a big lie. And, and it you bothers know. me, but I don't know what the hell to do with it, man. I just don't. That's the point. That's the problem. See, and, they, and this is to me where it's so interesting how I think we got to get hold of our sovereignty as individuals. You know, I, I really believe that the energy of the consciousness has to shift back to the idea of individual sovereignty, bringing the, the government back to the state level, making things at, you know, at county levels, because that's where you can affect it, where it's close to home, right? You can affect your own home. You can clean up your own home. How are we supposed to, as the United States was supposed to go clean up Afghanistan. Look what happened. We couldn't clean up Afghanistan. We couldn't build this nation. I mean, it's just, it's a joke. 20 right? years, it, man. Think about it's, that. It's massive Tw amount of 20 money, years in Afghanistan. Right? That That is, this is, look at what we've come to. And I know I've said this before, but I, I just, it just bears repeating because I know you get it. Um, the 20 years we spent in Afghanistan is more than what we spent in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, and World War II, and Korea, and Vietnam combined. <laughs> but these are, you know, the funny thing is, these are all socialist ventures, if you think about it. I know, like, if traditionally people think, like, some of the socialists were against wars, which is true in, in America before World yeah. War I. A lot of the socialists were against the imperialist drive. But if you think about the nature of war, it's a massive social socialist venture insofar as the military... Is con the, your government is contracting with all these contractors, right? We're talking about military-industrial complex, right? Mm -hmm. Trillions of dollars is going to these various contractors, to the technologies involved, and to all these big companies. And again, there's pharmaceuticals, there's medicine involved, there's there's technology. And, involved. and, and by the way, insane. it's a uh, it's yeah. it's like a funnel, right? Because the military contractors, let's just choose one and say Raytheon, right? right. Raytheon puts money in the pocket of every single senator and every single congressman. And every single representative in Washington, whether they hold right. office or they're just a lobbyist or a member right. of the cabinet, they put money in their pocket to make sure that they will vote the way of Raytheon. And then Raytheon makes that money back in, you know, uh, threefold, fourfold, who knows, by having them vote for weapons that they want us to create that then they get to drop in certain places and then make four or five more. So exactly. it's a game. It's a Exactly. It's a beautiful socialist economy, if you think about it, right? Hmm. And this is the problem of what we've gotten to as our, as, as our country, going back to the notion of the individual. This is why I'm, and especially in this time, I'm so such a proponent of the idea of capitalism and the idea of the market and the idea of the individual having the say, because as I said, you know how to clean up your own house. Mm -hmm. You know where you need to spend money. Mm -hmm. if the government starts telling you, no, you know what? You need money for this and not for that. You, you, you know, you need to do this job and not that job. And this is where we are at this place now where the government is making these decisions, right? Of trillions of dollars that they don't even have that they're, we, the people are liable for apparently, right? $30 trillion, whatever That's they're in debt for. Yeah. We are liable for, and you know, in our future generations. No, it's fascinating the way you're putting this, that, 
but by 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 being on the take, by making by doing things that the people don't necessarily want, uh, by having this little inside game between the people who make war and the people who make weapons and the banks and all of these other huge corporate institutions, you say that's not a free market. That's actually no. communism. It is. Exactly. That's the point. They've, they, we've called it corporate welfare in the past, right? But essentially, it's not just corporations. It's essentially it's a socialist system that's taken over. And unfortunately, a lot of people think of it as, oh, it's the capitalist issue. And I say, no. Milton Friedman had a great point. He said, look, industrialists will always find ways to make money. But the point is, do you want to have the opportunity to make money yourself? Or do you want a system where the industrialist and the state are so in, are so wed together, right? That they're that they're just they're making all the money, and you basically are are being told what to do with your life, where to go, how to live, and that's I, what I'm concerned about as far as where we are at this point in time, where a lot of people, yeah, especially young people, that I grew up at a time in the '90s when we didn't think about communism, right? It was like. Mm -hmm. I was vilifying, of course, the, the CIA, the deep state, just like you're talking about. And I thought, oh, look at these guys. They're, you know, this is the dark side of capitalism, which is true. There is a dark side to capitalism. There is human trafficking and drug trafficking and murder and war, you know, that that is capitalistic. But I didn't realize how dangerous the socialist ideology underlying a lot of young people is where they tell me literally, I don't care if the government is monitoring me and basically uh, telling me how to live my life as long as I get free health care out of it. Wow. You're absolutely right. We need it's to be scary. more mindful of the people who are make all of these people who are doing these deals are actually doing it in a way outside of what the people want. And that by definition means they're meeting the needs of the state, not the needs of the people, which means that's communism. Communism is a government set up for the needs of the state as a instead of the needs of the people. What they, do we have course, in the United States right now that's making making us all crazy? You know, I've never heard anybody kind of define it that way, but it's it's a, it's a it's a fascinating uh, entomime that you've created. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Well, because what they've done is they've, I mean, as you see it, like, you know, they they make it like, oh, yeah, we're doing this for the benefit of the poor. But, I mean, you take things like California. Uh, there's a great new book by Michael Schellenberg wrote called San Francisco. And he's saying, look, if you look at it, really, the progressive policies are continuing perpetuating homelessness in San Francisco and making it worse. Whereas states that don't have such progressive ideologies around, you know, everyone just can kind of be homeless and sleep where you want and get access to drugs. <laughs> And it's all kind of provided for I, in this welfare system. I, here, here's weird. what I'm thinking. It's actually perpetuating you, here, Here's what I'm thinking as I'm hearing you say this, though, Sean. And and there's a clip because 
the great thing about you is you're not just talking about this. You're literally going to put your talents where your mouth is. And I'm going to show a clip in a minute of what Sean is doing, which is going to be released worldwide. And I think it's important for people to see this message. But, but I'm wondering, as I'm hearing you, to those people out there who may be watching or listening to us, and they're thinking, yeah, that's why my party's right, and they're maybe a Democrat. Or that's why my party is right, and they're maybe a Republican, or they watch Fox, or they watch CNN. I, I would argue they're all full of crap. Uh, neither one gets it. Uh, even though one will tell you, oh, we hate communists, and they don't even know maybe because of, by your definition, they're acting more like communists than any communist they accuse. Sure. But this is why I'm against big government. So to me, the only people I like are the, if you're going to be a politician, then I want you against big government. <laughs> I want you for the constitutional premise of limiting government. Yeah. And if you know if you can be on that wavelength as a politician, great. But this is a classical Mr. Smith goes to Washington approach. And there are a few good guys. I think a few good people like that, but most are not. I think most are so corrupted by the system. You can't be in Congress like Biden or, or Pelosi or other or Schumer or these other people, you know, uh, in the Republican side, McCarthy and others, you know, uh, for 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 decades. Without being corrupt, I mean, look at how much you're making money. I mean, it's it's an insider game we talked about. Like, you know, they're not just not just Raytheon sponsoring them as their congressional campaigns, but look at their portfolios, how yeah. much they're making. McConnell <laughs> came into office <laughs> as this poor lawyer, apparently, and they just. I read a story where I don't know how many years ago McConnell came into office, and I think he had like sixteen thousand dollars to his name. And right. today he's worth in excess of 40 million and he's right. never done anything but an, a yearly job that pays $200,000 a year. So can you tell me how you do $200,000 a year, pay your expenses. And when you're done paying your expenses, you somehow come out with $40 million. And I'm just using McConnell as a name. It could be a million. Exactly. Other people McConnell, Obama, he just happens Clinton, to be the speaker, I mean, right? All the same, they've profited by public office. And that's the whole point that you, you cannot, these people cannot be in favor of a limited government, which is what our founding fathers wanted <laughs> by going in there, making, basically pumping money into big corporations that, you know, that are, that are basically again on the government dole and getting contracts. And then simultaneously they're getting whatever it is, whether it's insider information for stocks, whether they walk out of office with a plus job at Raytheon or one of these other military industrial complex contractors. That's what we see with the CIA but they have guys. To. The you cannot guys. Be, because bribery is legal in the United States, which it is, people have a right to uh, give money to a politician. And then the expectation after giving them money is that the politician will do them a favor. I don't give a, I don't give a crap what you want to call it. That's bribery. So we live in a system where corruption is legal, where wars are fought for money, where the media is owned by the corporations and the politicians are too. So when we're done with all of that, look at that picture that I have just drawn the average guy just trying to make a buck, trying to raise his kids, trying to do the right thing, he is led to believe that, like, for example, the word leader, we call them our political leaders. They're not leaders. You know, we call guys like Anderson Cooper, or Sean Hannity, or any of these people on the, me on, on the media, they're supposed to be, you know, our informers. They're not. So the whole premise is kind of messed up, which is, by the way, here we go. This is what leads me to this. Sean is doing a new doc. Um, it's a program. 
which is, I think, absolutely fascinating because what he seems to be, and we're going to talk about it on the other side, what he seems to be doing is trying to create something that allows for clarity about these things that we're talking about now, how it's all gotten so far away from us and how we, we don't want it to make us crazy, but we should kind of know it's there and we should know it's Genesis. And that's what he's trying to do. Um, you know, explain the genesis of it, explain the wherewithal of it, and then maybe then we could have, you know, comfortable conversations about it. So so here's the clip with with my bad setup. I'm sure his his is going to be a better explanation, but let, let's take a listen so you can see where he's going with this. Here it is. You have all the money in the world you need. You have all the power you need. What's the point? You know, what's the end goal? He said the end goal is to control the world. Breaking news. Governments are corrupt. They lie to their people, steal from their people, and occasionally kill them. The Oliver Stone, George Bush connection. Oliver Stone. Oh, yeah, man. He's their spokesman. While I doubt my father worked for the CIA, as a Vietnam veteran, my father saw a deeper state behind the scenes. And that's where I want to go. Then you can see the lie written all over it. And this, this is, is extremely, extremely dangerous to our democracy. It is not crazy to assess news events to see if they're real or not real. And in fact, it's kind of crazy not to. As Americans, we tend to believe this about other governments, but rarely, if ever, our own. We've allowed this to happen because we didn't know that there was another reality we could experience. Another reality that we could experience. I get that. And I think every word there was true. How do I defend myself from going absolutely batshit fucking crazy insane? Because the stuff in there, if you think about it too much, it will make you just that. Yeah. And I think there's there's sometimes like network where you just got to say, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Right. <laughs> and you just got to scream that out. But um, I, I I think to me, it's always been going back to the beginning, you know, where we talked about growing up in the media and understanding that there's a manipulation of perception mm -hmm. to understand that changes the way that you engage with it. Right. Because once you understand that the media has an agenda, it's coming at you with a bias and a particular agenda that's been scripted. You know, just like a movie is scripted, just the way a reality show is scripted. It's always scripted with a certain intention. Once you start to understand that more, you can start to be less reactive, right? It's like the Buddhist mentality. But here's Getting the problem. The reactive here's, brain but here's the like problem. More, here's the okay, problem. Okay, let, let me sit with this. I, I'm going to tell you, you just said something that's fascinating. The media, you're right, is bullshitting you. I know it. You know it. Most people, I think, either know it or feel it. Politicians are liars, and they're also bullshitting us. And and big corporations are, are, are bullshitting us, and so are the banks. And we know this. I mean, it's obvious, right? But here's the problem. When you get it to the individual basis, when you get it to, I don't know, maybe I'll just use Anderson Cooper because it's easy. I don't think if you got into, inside Anderson Cooper's head, he would actually know that he's doing that. And, and I don't think if you ask a... Anderson Cooper is tough, though, because he he's he was trained to CIA and he's really one of these dynastic families. Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's so true. OK, let's, let's remove, let, okay, let, let's remove yeah. him. Let's remove but, him. But, but, but like the average uh, journalist, the average politician, if you ask them, they'll tell you they deeply care and they're doing the best they can. And they're lying. And, and they're not being influenced <laughs> by anybody. <laughs> they're lying. No, I think that um, the honest journalist, I like Laura Logan. 
Uh, I, you know, I've talked to her a lot. She's someone that came from 60 minutes, mm-hmm. came from, came, then did Fox, but Fox also kicked her off because she went after Fauci basically. Right. And said yeah. things that, you know, that Fauci was, was like Mengele compared to Mengele with his, with his work. And well, that might be a bit much, but I, I, she has a right I mean, to, read, read, she has a right to criticize Robert, Fauci. I don't think she should compare him to Hitler or Mengele or anything like that. But that's, well, you know. I mean, if you read Robert Kennedy's book, the truth about, uh, Fauci, it's it's pretty it's pretty devastating as far as the, the experiments that he's done, the work that the 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 conflict of interest that he has because he's getting money from the various vaccines he's invested. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's just very it's very tangled. And his work with HIV/AIDS, a lot of it he was he killed. You know, basically we're saying that he was responsible for people's death by not allowing people to have access to treatments, both hmm. in the HIV case and in the COVID case. So anyway. Regardless, you know, you can compare whatever people compare uh, Trump to Hitler all the time on CNN. Right. They don't get for it. Like, let's be clear. I mean, no, no, is, we should we should have better. a right to criticize. <laughs> right. We should have a right to question and right. you shouldn't choose, you know, who gets the question and who doesn't. And yes. I'm in, in, you know, in total agreement with you. I I what, what worries me sometimes is when when we go to the extremes. Now, you just put that in perspective for me with what Laura Logan says. I don't know the depth of her work or the genesis of her questioning. I'm just saying, if all you do is come out and say Fauci is Hitler or Fauci is Mengele, I'm going to push. I'm going to push back and go. Okay, come on. Can, can you give and me you a little right more? To push back. <laughs> I think that's the point of debate. And this is why what we're missing from so much of these programs is that. But the point is that Laura's, you know, a journalist who's like I said, she's worked for 60 Minutes. She's worked for Fox. You know, I don't think that you know you could have pinned her as a Democrat or Republican in the old days. But because of where she is now, she's been pushed. You know, into that. Old, the so-called, you know, so-called right wing, which a lot of us are pushed into because of our perspectives. So the point is that someone like her and many, as many good journalists I've talked to, they know how corrupt the system is. So I think that if a, hmm. if a journalist is telling you, oh, no, it's not corrupt, then they're they're paid. They're, they're completely in bed. They've been in, they've been either brainwashed themselves or they're trying to and, keep their job and it pays pretty right? well. <laughs> exactly. Trying to keep their job. I mean, the reason I did a show called Buzzsaw for many years, it was inspired from a book called uh, Into the Buzzsaw, written by journalists like the Gary Webbs, remember, who broke, the, who helped break the uh, the cocaine, contra cocaine story. Right. Uh, others were involved in that, in breaking that story. He was the real guy that stuck, you know, stuck, stuck to his guns. But Webb and others were taught, basically wrote there are stories as journalists saying, look, we there, these are the stories we covered as journalists where the editor class killed it. The editor class came in and said, you can't talk about that. The editor class came in and said, you can't criticize this corporation. You can't talk about that issue. You oh, listen, uh, Sean, I mean, right? you obviously the, the journalists will tell you that. You, listen, you obviously know this, but, you know, I was fired by CNN. And sure, I was probably fired because, you know, I could have been much better at explaining what I was trying to say about the lack of diversity, the elitism, the bullshit that exists at the network level, and it got misconstrued. And I am to blame for that because I'm supposed to be paid to be a good speaker and be eloquent and be careful about how I choose my nouns and verbs. And I didn't. So listen, I'll take that. But I will say this. I worked at a time in CNN where when I presented stories like what I mentioned earlier about what happened in Guatemala, what happened in Honduras, what happened in Colombia in the past, what happened in Panama, what happened in the DR. They looked at me like I had horns coming out of my head. They literally, the ombudsman at CNN, a fellow named Rick Davis said, you can't say this. You can't talk about those things. We don't talk about those things at CNN. That's literally what they said, that I was prohibited from bringing information that Americans did not know about. So 
my immediately thought, I remember when I had that conversation with Rick and I was working on a book and I was working on a couple of segments and they said, here's what you can talk about and here's what you can't talk about. I thought to myself, damn, as a guy who went to the Eric Severide School of Journalism and graduated as a journalist from the University of Minnesota and has spent all my life as a cop meet reporter on the streets, gathering facts, doing docs, doing stories, you know, I finally gotten to what the pinnacle of journalism is supposed to be in the United States, if not the world. And they're telling me, you can't say this and you can't say that. And I'm saying, but it's true. And they're saying, we don't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, I get it, man. I get it. I mean, we're, you're, you're telling me that journalists don't say the truth and I'm telling you I lived it. So, yeah. and we're left with this quandary of what the hell we do about it though. Sorry for well, taking off. Good, I think good moment, journalists. It made me think of a moment in my own life. So. I think good journalists get to their breaking point where, you know, they basically say, I can't take it anymore, right? I want to break from this system because it's bullshit. Or they just, I can't call them good journalists, you know, they're, if they're going to stay at an hmm. organ like that, like an Anderson Cooper does, let's say, you know, and just continue to propagate whatever the narrative is, you know, like a good agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, journalists used to be paid like regular people. The average guy who was a reporter made l less or about the same as a guy who worked in a factory or a guy who was an electrician or a guy who hangs drywall. We all made the same salary. And an anchorman at a local station, maybe if he was really lucky back in the old days, would make twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year. And that was considered amazing money. And Walter Cronkite maybe made three or $400,000 a year today. Those names you and I threw out a while ago, they are paid upwards of $20, $30 million a year. Fuck yeah, they're going to say whatever the hell you want them to say. So would you. Uh, it's outrageous, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I mean, they can literally start their own their own stations at that at that salary. I mean, that's what, that's what really makes me curious. It's like, you know, if you had integrity, journalistic integrity, wouldn't you take the money? Okay, I'll take it for a few years and then I'll go start my own thing, right? I mean, look, yeah. you know, like a Rogan, right? Look at what he, what's he getting paid, right? I mean, it's, you can do it. So like what we're doing here with Agua Media. That's, that's what exactly. I'm doing. I mean, exactly. We're, that's what you're doing. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. just talking to interesting people, telling stories and giving people advice on all the shit I've learned in my life from all the failures I've had and some of the wins. So yeah, well, we learn that we learn most from the failures, right? That's why it's, it's so important to contextualize that and realize we, that what rich lives we've had, um, and I think this is the point. This is going back to your question about what is the antidote to like the rage and the outrage. It's like, they said, when you realize that it's a lot of it is bullshit and, and, it, and it's the Wizard of Oz, you know, it's just the little man behind the curtain projecting a big voice and all ominous, whether it's the U.S. government or you name it, the big corporations. It's like, come back to the individual sense of sovereignty. Okay, where am I going to put my money? We're going to put my consciousness. Do I want to give my consciousness this Twitter debate today and this anger and vitriol and do I want to go back and forth with this person in a fight or do I maybe just want to no, I want to focus my energy on what I'm doing. Right? So what how I'm do we how do we how do we teach our? I mean, I just you made me think about something, especially because of you. It's so fascinating talking to you, Sean. Uh, Sean Stone is our guest. He's uh, a director. He uh, he's a thinker. He's a friend. Um, let's suppose we do we go down the route that you just explained. We all need to understand that there is a man behind the curtain, and in many ways, it's all bullshit. And even if we love our country and we love our homes and we love, you know, our environment, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody here is saying that we need to turn on the United States or turn on anybody. We just have to have a further understanding of it. Most of us would reject that because 
I got to make my kid, I got to give my kid something to believe in. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell him America's the greatest and it does not do anything wrong. And I'm going to do this. You are the perfect example of a guy who has an upbringing, a father who's one of the most admired, one of the most respected people that I've ever known or read about. And there's a difference between being a critic and being a cynic. Being critical is healthy. Being cynical, not so much. Your dad has spent a life dabbling in that area where he's almost cynical, at least his yeah. works are. Yeah. How, how did you, because you're perfectly normal and you get everything and you have some opinions about normal, things, but, but you, <laughs> you've, you've survived it, I guess. What What's the secret, you think, to all the people out there who want to do that? Make their kids smart, but not make them crazy. Yeah, no, I think that it's important to be, to, you know, to try to seek truth, right, as much as possible. And truth is not one perspective. Truth mm -hmm. is many perspectives, right? We can sit here and we can go, Columbus was, you know, a, a mass murderer. Okay, well, let's look at was. what the facts are, right? Let's hear, let's hear, let's let's look at the perspective of Columbus, and let's look at the perspective of the Spanish and the you know and the various imperialists that came here, mm -hmm. and let's look at the perspective of the natives. But also, there's an inevitability to certain things, right? Where it's like all history is bloody. Yeah. All history is bloody. This is why it came to this place of yeah, I've been very critical in my early years looking at America and always because in the history class, it was like, it was the more the trumpeted, you know, salute the flag kind of approach. And I was like, look, you know, what about Guatemala? What about this? What about that death squad that we supported? What about these crimes that we did? Oh yeah. But you know, the communists were worse. Oh, maybe they were worse, but that isn't, that isn't, that isn't <laughs> a hell of a way to win an argument. Yeah. Actions. I'm bad, but so is he. <laughs> right. It's like, exactly. It's like, that doesn't excuse us. So I did a lot of that, but I also come to a place now where I feel like I got to be balanced though, because we've gone into this place of such anti-Americanism where it's like, yeah. you know, you're, you know, white imperialists that came here and this is not your land. And, uh, listen, man, go to any, anywhere in the world and find me outside of Antarctica. What hasn't been, what hasn't involved bloodshed and war and conflict, because that's the nature of humans. Yeah, but, but, but America, I'll push back on that a little bit. We're the McDaddies. We own the world. We run the world. So I when do. you run the but world. Do we though? Do and, we run the world, though, is my question, because who is we? You keep saying we, and that you and me and the others, you don't run it. Who does really run it? Who is that? Who is the real power behind the scenes? That's a great you know, question. I, I know that NATO controls most of the world, and the United States is the voice of NATO. So if NATO is the most important militaristic faction in the world, deciding which countries are in, which countries are in, out, which countries are good, which countries bad, Estonia good, you know, Latvia good, Ukraine so, maybe. So, who, so, I mean, that's you say Mil well, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, militarily, yes, there is there is a power to America, certainly. Mm -hmm. But the question, of course, is who runs that military engine? You know, it's like the president coming in. We talked about earlier who has the real power. Someone like a, a, a president is a CEO of a corporation, the United States Corporation, right? Comes in for four to eight years. Right. The permanent bureaucracy that, you know, that is within the State Departments and others and the FBI's, these guys can be in there for their whole lives, yeah. right? These women and women. And then there's access to, to intelligence and, you know, clearances. People people were like shocked. Oh, Trump had top secret documents. I'm laughing. Top secret is like a joke. I mean, literally there's top secret is like the beginning of classification for secrecy, right? Because it goes to so many levels above what the president knows. The president only has so many levels of access to secrecy. But again, who's really running it? 
That is the question. Who is who do, is Walt Brennan? Well, this do, is always do, been my do, question. Do we, you know, do what we the know? relationship of, is, should, should, of the should, maiden. Should we care? Can you, can you teach us? Do we learn from that? Well, I mean, well, well, I think the most important thing is... Is it gainable knowledge? Huh? Is it gainable knowledge? Because it if it's not gainable, if I'm never going to know, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I think to a certain extent it is, but not fully. Because I think unless you're initiated into it, and this is what's always been interesting to me, is like the levels of secrecy, like masonry, for example, right? It's different levels of, of initiation and knowledge, and then other secret societies that are much more secret than masonry. Masonry is a big, a big society compared. But the point is, as you get initiated into different levels of knowledge, I think you you start to see behind the scenes. But again, you only see your perspective behind the scenes. You don't get yeah. to see the entire the entire game, right? So, it's so it is bigger than any one person. It's much bigger than any one person. I tend to think it has to do with with with. Uh, look, I get into the multidimensional. I believe in the you know that that we've been, you know, you can call it. There's an Elohim and angels, but there's something that, that's bigger than humanity that has been part of this story since the beginning. Right, we call it God or presences like this, right? Devils, spirits. There's much more to the story than just the, the flesh. That's my belief. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, Sean. This is a this is a fascinating conversation, and I uh, I think in the end um, we're left with the wonderment, really, of how we can put it in perspective and stay sane while we're trying to put it in perspective. Because listen, I, I I think if you were to um, poll most Americans, hell, most global citizens, they would tell you things really are messed up and the people who are supposed to admire are not doing a good job and they're not admirable and they're not leading exemplary lives. So what do we do about that, right? And we're, and, and I, we're still stuck in that place where I, I'm stuck between I want to know, but I don't want to know. <laughs> is, is there, I, I mean, really, is important. Is, is, but this is why it really bringing ourselves back to like what grounds us is like basic principles. Because what's what's transcendent is not the material world. The spiritual world transcends the material world. Yeah. The material world will always leave us feeling powerless. The material world will kill us. We know that there's no way of prevailing. We all die. So hmm. when we find our spiritual faith, you know, our our spiritual life, I think this is what gives us sucker. This is what has always kept people you know, basically sane <laughs> through darkness. I mean, you name it. All these empires have been dark. Is it all religion? These, like, I, I, should I be a better Catholic? Is that what you're well, saying? I don't, I don't, I don't ascribe to any one religion. I'm just saying these are different paths that have been offered to us, right? The books, the teachers, right? The prophets, they've been offered to us to remind us like, hey, keep your heart in in heaven. Keep but we don't pay attention to place. it. We don't right? pay enough attention to it. It, it depends. I think, you know, some, some do, some don't, but it's, it's important, especially in these times when things can seem so out of control. So you feel so powerless. You feel like the, it's so crazy, right? What grounds you is like, okay, humility. I walk on the earth. My heart is with heaven. My soul is not from this world. I'm not coming. You know, I wasn't born mm. of the earth. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, my body will go back, but my spirit will go on. So that's really what I think what we have to remind ourselves through all this, this, um, it's that's a psychomancy. Actually, really. that's actually, it's like a, it's almost a VR experience. This human experience is it's like a show, right? It's all virtual. A, a virtual reality. <laughs> and our soul is going to continue afterward. That's great advice. That's actually great advice. I'm glad we sought it out from you because, in the end, what you're saying makes so much sense. I, I, you know, we start the conversation with why is the world so crazy and what do we do to cope with it? And you're saying, don't cope with the world, 
cope with the spiritual part of the world that's in all of us and it's natural and it's real and that does make a, a lot of sense um sean stone none other than great conversation sean i really as usual whenever you and i get together uh, it's, it's it's always a fun conversation and uh, i look forward to uh to, to having more thanks man Absolutely. and again oh the doc is called best kept secret right Yes, best kept secret. It's available. I would say people should just go to my website if they don't mind, seanstone.info. It's got links to my workshops, my documentaries, uh, my writings. Seanstone.info. Seanstone.info. Got it. Um, Thanks, dude. Muchas gracias. And And that's it for us. This is uh, the Rick Sanchez podcast. We're ubiquitous. You can find us on, you know, wherever you look for your podcast, whether it's Apple or uh, Spotify or whatever. And uh, we'll be here. Oh, you could also find us on aguamedia.com and leave messages there. Tell me what you think of me. Tell me what you think of Sean or whatever. I'll read it. I'll answer back. Thanks again. Dale. Vamos con todos. Agua. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.